This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have an episode of What Are We Fighting For? First broadcast on May 8th, 1942. This series was produced by CBS and sponsored by the U.S. War Department. It was recorded live at military bases around the country. This episode was recorded at Camp Claiborne, Louisiana, and features World War I hero Sergeant Alvin C. York. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Bickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So thanks for listening. Enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. The best soldiers in the world are the ones who know what they're fighting for. And to make our soldiers the best informed in the world, the War Department has been presenting discussions before our troops at Army posts all over the country. Each Thursday at this time, for some weeks past, the Columbia Network has broadcast one of these talks from some army post. In the past weeks, you have heard Edward R. Murrow, William L. Shirer, Lee White, Quentin Reynolds, and Herbert Agar. Tonight, we bring you the concluding program of this series, What Are We Fighting For?, from Camp Claiborne, Louisiana. Here, 15,000 officers and men are assembled to hear a distinguished soldier of the First World War. To introduce him, we present the commander of the 82nd Division, Major General O.N. Bradley. General Bradley. On October 8, 1918, Sergeant Alvin C. York, a member of the 82nd American Division, captured almost single-handed 132 German officers and men. For this feat, he was designated as the outstanding soldier of the AEF. The 82nd Division, known then and now as the All-American Division, has been reactivated and is now assembled on a hillside here at Camp Claiborne, Louisiana. Every present member of the division hopes to emulate the example set by Sergeant York. Today, the War Department announced the appointment of Sergeant York as a major in the Army of the United States. Men of the 82nd Division, here is your Sergeant York. Thank you, General Bradley. I'm mighty proud to be here with my old division, the 82nd, even if it's only for a visit. The old 82nd was mustered out after the last war, but in the hearts of the men who served with it over there, the All-American Division never was and never could be mustered out. I'll never forget my first day with the old outfit at Camp Gordon, Georgia. It was in November 1917. They put me in the 21st Training Battalion, and it seemed like they had a job for me right off. 
They told me they were going to put me on the police. I thought that's not so bad for an old mountain boy, getting on the police the first crack out of the box. So the rest of the day, I went around camp doing police work. Yes, sir. Policing. Policing for scraps of paper and cigarette butts. Seriously, though, being here with the 82nd again is a peculiar feeling. It's like living something all over. Here you boys are training to finish the job we thought we had done for all time. The job of keeping our country's freedom from going under the heels of the dictator. Last time after the Germans hung out the white rag and we sailed home, we thought there'd never be another war. We doughboys didn't realize then, and some of the men in the higher places didn't realize that freedom is not a thing you can win once and for all. We never owned freedom. We only got a lease on it. A payment came due in 17 and 18. Now another one is due. But this time we're going to make such a big payment that it'll be a many of a year before another one is demanded of us. <laughs> the Germans have always underestimated us Americans. I remember one day back in the Argonne when we took several prisoners, I noticed one German corporal looking us over, mildly puzzled. He could speak a little English, he asked if all of us in the outfit were Americans. We told him we were. He just shook his head. Didn't seem that he could take it at all. You see, the All-American Division was made up of boys from all over the country. There, there were boys from uh, the mountains like me and boys from the small towns and cities. There were Southerners, New Yorkers, Middle Westerners as well as boys from the cow country in the Pacific coast. And there were men whose folks had been Greek, Italian, Jewish, German, Polish, Swedish, and Irish. Just every strain of good American you could think of. It sure seemed to get this German corporal down. He just couldn't understand how we could all pull together and smash up soldiers of the great German race. Today, the Germans and the Japs, that goes for the Japs too. They can't get it through their thick heads that it's not your creed or your high, nor the color of your eyes that makes an American. It's our freedom and equality over the Constitution and our Bill of Rights that makes an American an almighty fighter. Once a man has tasted that freedom, he'd rather die fighting than to do without it for himself and his children. I've never doubted for one minute who's going to win this war. Already, we're over the high. Like General Marshall said the other day, the time for action is near. The Germans say, oh, you fellas can't fight a modern war. You've got too much of that freedom and democracy stuff to win a modern war. Boys, I don't have to tell you what a big lie that is. It's because of his freedom and democracy that the American soldier has never and will never lose any war. 
The American soldier doesn't need any of the false morale that comes from a diet of thumping lies. He knows what he's fighting for, and he knows and can stand to know that the enemy is tough and well-trained and well-equipped. You don't have to tell him that the other fellow is a coward to make him fight. What's more, he can take it as well as dish it out. The American fighting man, he has lacked... The American fighting man is like high-grade spring steel. He can whipsaw around and bend if need be, but then he uh, bounces back like the kick of an army mule. <clears throat> now your Jap, German, and Italian soldiers just hasn't got that advantage. He has been crammed fuller of lies than a possum with the Simmons at frost time. <clears throat> That's one of the big reasons why Hitler... The puny empire and that flop Mussolini are bound to lose. <clears throat> Let me give you a sample from the last war. The Kaiser's propaganda shoppers told the Germans they needn't worry. They said the United States wouldn't ever be able to throw any real weight into that fight. They've got to keep their little old army at home to fight off the Indians. And the Germans had been uh, uh, swallowed up by lies so long that they swallowed that foolishness whole. So what happened? The Americans kept coming over thousands on top of thousands in spite of the Indians. And the shock was just too big for most of those Germans to take. They saw that their government had been feeding them plain, bare-faced flappadoos. Their heart went out of the most of the Germans. That's when the old Kaiser's throne broke down and he caught himself some air for Holland. The Nazi Germans and the Japs have gone and made the same mistake. They built their kind of government on bloody lies. They've taught their troops that their enemies would run like turkeys whenever they showed up. They've sworn themselves blew in the face that nobody would ever be strong enough to bomb their homeland. Well, the Russians and the boys of Bataan and Corregidor have kind of taken one set of those lies down a few paths. The RAF's air offensive over Germany and somebody's planes over Tokyo, of course, we don't know whose planes, just in case the Jap is listening, anyhow... It looks like they made a little mistake on that lie, too. When our Navy and you boys really get a whack at those Japs and Germans, and when those fellas really learn what it means to pick a scrap with, a, with the American Eagle, well, boys, it's going to be too bad. <laughs> when it's time to fight, America doesn't piddle around. They finish it up so they can get back to that pretty girl who's waiting for them at home.
Back in 19 and 18, we first, when we first got to France, we were broke up in replacements for the French Army. A bunch of us boys from the 82nd Division were sent to the Voice Mountains to help a French outfit. When we got there, the French officer in charge gave us a little lecture. None of us could polyvoo, so we just said okay to everything he said. <laughs> Next morning, the Germans came over. We let go with our Springfields and automatics, and I tell you, we really dusted their britches. <clears throat> and they turned out for home. Meanwhile, there wasn't a Frenchman in sight. They'd all retreated. Pretty soon, the French officer came back. He was stomping mad. We couldn't understand what he said this time any more than we had before. About that time, an American liaison officer happened along. He told us what the French officer was so stirred up about. And it seems that in this sector, the uh, French officer had an understanding with the Germans that one day he'd let the Germans take his front-line trenches, and the next day the Germans would let his outfit take them back. <laughs> that didn't suit our book at all. The American officer told that French fella that we'd come here to fight instead of he didn't want us disturbing the peace in his part of the war, he'd better get rid of us. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That Frenchman had us transferred back to the All-American Division, back to the American forces. After that, General Pershing got all the Americans together and broke the Hindenburg Line. <laughs> People say to me, Sergeant, how do you think these boys of 42 compare with those fellas who fought the last war? Now, I want to say to you boys of the 82nd Division that I tell the people who ask me that, I won't say you're a better natural born scrappers than your fathers were. Americans have always been good fighters when they need be. But you boys are better trained and equipped. You are smarter and no more than any American army of our history. I am confident, the American people are confident, that you will do a better job than we did last time. Today, the threat to our American freedom is greater than this country has ever known. And I'll guarantee that the licking Uncle Sam boys will give those fellas is going to be bigger than the threat. Sergeant Alvin C. York, famous soldier of the First World War, has been heard speaking to officers and men of his old division, the 82nd at Camp Claiborne, Louisiana, in the sixth and last of a series of broadcasts designed to keep our soldiers the best informed in the world. This series has been presented by the War Department and the Columbia Network to troops both at home and overseas and was heard through the facilities of WWL in New Orleans. Mike Clark speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>